if you're hearing really crappy audio quality, it's because we're using our phone. It's come from the, the first, phone. The first plan didn't work. Yeah. They're a little bit loose, a little bit unstrung, and they've probably had a few beers beforehand. Please welcome Matt Crummins and Tom Fancy Pants Putt with yet another episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent Adventure. Yes. Sorry, I was talking like this. <laughs> this was like some Siri. Sort of, yeah, hey Siri, but I didn't do the hey Siri. I was just giving myself instructions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for those... Recording. Um, you got to, no, because then you know... Oh, it's like oh cut. Yeah, cut. <laughs> right. There we go. Um, what were we, the hell were we talking about? Well, we're thanking our sponsors for today. Yes. Um, which, of course, we don't really technically have any. I was going to say the Dutch Tilt. Oh, yeah, okay. I was on the Dutch Tilt. Yeah. The Dutch Tilt, for those who don't know, is when you take a portrait, but rather than taking it straight up and down, and, and a vertical portrait, so it is a portrait of a portrait, Rather than having it, the lines vertical, you actually slightly tilt the camera, probably 10, 20 degrees, yeah. would you say, Matthew? Or if you're in the fashion industry on the L'Oreal runway, it's yes. often up to like 45 degrees in video. It's like they, they, well, they look like the they're falling out. over. Oh, yeah, no, the video, yeah, they spin like, yeah, it. video, it's kind of like, whoa, and they sort of zoom out at the same time. And really? It's like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> it adds a lot of dramatic effect to a subject that's relatively boring. Yeah. This is true. And so we, I've just did, done that with my muffin, apparently. I used to do it a little bit with my portrait when I was running the studio. Yeah. Just to, just to add a little bit of dynamic. I do it because I've got a natural tilt to one direction, so I deliberately Dutch tilt the other way and I end up with straight horizons. Is that because of your masculinity, that one hangs lower than the other, so you're naturally tilted to one side? Are you talking about my biceps or...? <laughs> your biceps. <laughs> exactly right. No, it's not that. I've got a gammy leg, so... Have you really? No, I don't have a game. Oh, my God. I never know whether you're serious or not. I know, I know. So we are catching up for the first time in person for the podcast. Which yeah. Took, Matt has spent about $4,500 in petrol to come down to Mornington to Sangi. Yep, and you're only like three minutes down the road. <laughs> <laughs> I, filled up, I filled up my van since uh, the prices have gone through the roof. Yeah. And I was desperately trying to get it up to $200. It came to $197. Oh. I put almost 90 litres of diesel in at $2.20. And I was I almost made the almost made the two hundred dollar mark. I think I remember when I first bought that van three or four years ago. It used to cost me, oh, maybe one hundred and thirty dollars. Yeah. Yeah, to fill it. Yeah, it's changed. It's, it's the world changed. has changed in, in the last few years, surprisingly. Now you got to tell me though. I mean, all this. What is that? It's a chai soy chai latte, darling. With, with honey. honey. With that, honey. That just sounds like a whole bowl of calories right there. It probably to is. go with your fat-free muffin it's, that's half burnt. <laughs> it's actually not nearly as bad. And, and it's funny that we're here because I used to order the soy chai and if they said powder or, or you know, wet chai, I'd go, ah, oh, just powder. What are you talking about? Powdered chai. Or wet chai. A wet chai. That's a wet chai. So it's the Clearly actual... it's wet. It's, it's the actual leaves. You drink. <laughs> it's, yeah, but you can have it as a powdered chai, which is like right. a fake chai. Oh, so which like, is my, like a little Milo version of chai or the Nesquik chai. I watched this guy put like four or five or six teaspoons of this chai into the latte. Yeah. And that's chock full of sugar. And I said, I'm not doing that again. My body's a temple, as you know. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> it's a, a temple like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory is a temple. When I sometimes get over <laughs> when I get over coffee sometimes and the palate isn't isn't feeling like it, I'll go this instead. Yeah, right. And it makes me feel good about myself, like I'm actually having something healthy. I feel like that's like when people order gluten-free and they're not actually celiac. <laughs> it makes them feel like they're ordering something healthy, but they're still ordering like a meat lover's pizza just with no gluten. <laughs> 
literally the same thing. It just sounds fancy. I'll have a weak soy chai latte with skinny milk, and uh, by the way, yes, and an, and a muffin to yeah, go with it because exactly, I'm on a diet. Exactly right. <laughs> oh, and um, I'll have that to go because I need to go and sit in my car for seven hours. And, um, and not exercise. This is Speaking true. of sitting in my car for seven ah, hours, stop Thomas, it. Here we go. So there is, you know, people often refer to photographers as being, you know, struggling artists. Like that's a pretty <laughs> standard sort of um, thing. I'm desperately you know, trying to... a photographer and everyone kind of immediately feels pity for you in one way. Um, and they also, mm. you know, in another way, they're like, oh, that must be so freeing to get what you do, what you do. Do, you, do what you love. Like, yeah, do what you love. Money, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, oh, I'd love to do that. And I go, well, why don't you? And they go, well... <laughs> I enjoy eating food. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> they go, oh, I'd love to. And I go, yeah, would you be happy? Whatever, whatever wage you're on now in your corporate world, let's just stereotype, for example, and there's nothing wrong with this either. Would Nick you be happy? Would you? Yeah. Would Nick Fletcher be happy to take a, a, a eighty percent pay cut and and give up where he lives on the beach there, overlooking mm. the water in Beaumaris, as yeah. we know, or in his mansion? Or bright, depending where he is at the time. Would he be happy to give that up in order to be a full time photographer? I'm guessing not. Yeah, no, you're probably right. But the point that we were making, though, about I was trying to cars to driving for a really long time and sort of enjoying it was. Could be on flashing here. Tom Putt's finally made it. <laughs> he has, ma- you know, when we thought a couple of years ago when he flew to New York to pick up his little, um, the, the little award. silver award that looked like Sputnik. Um, <laughs> no longer an appropriate joke to make. Um, we thought that that was Tom's pinnacle moment where we were like, "Wow!" We thought like, he'd climbed Everest and everything was downhill from there. The Universal Photographer of the Year Award. Mm. Mm. Taking photos from sky high, looking down on all of us plebs, we thought that was the moment. I mean, the only thing that was missing was you slapping the uh, <laughs> slapping the presenter as he as I, yeah, yeah, yeah. when he looked well, at you and, and made a slide at Mary. I but, know, um, I know to do that next time. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, Instagram followings through the roof. But it turns out that actually, Tom, that wasn't the pinnacle. The best is yet to come. It's a bit like a photographer where you say to them, what is the best photograph you've taken? And the cliche response to that is, I haven't taken it yet. Oh, yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. My best is still yet to come. Yeah. You thought I'd... That's bloody impressive because (laughs) as of about a week ago, Tom Putt Photography is no longer rocking around in like some beat-up panel van, (laughs) looking a little bit suspicious. A little bit shady. Yeah. Uh, No, now... He's the guy who ignores the parking signs and the no-standing zones and just parks his luxury automobile wherever he feels like it. Because you know what? The parking fine, who cares? Who cares? It's, it's worth it. Water off a dust bag. It's worth it. Water, it's worth it to show off the, so the new wheels. If you see a jet black Audi, I'm going to say A4. No, it's a TT. An TT. Audi TT. Sorry, uh, I've been corrected. But if you, really, if you really want to spec it up, you say an Audi TT Roadster. Ooh, if you want to say, so <laughs> if you see a jet black Audi TT Roadster. Acting acting wildly, driving driving irresponsibly feels. on the road. Yeah. Yep. With, yep. With a 2.3 by 1.5 metre canvas <laughs> You have just seen the pinnacle of Tom's career. I believe he said, Mary, close your ears. This was the best decision I've oh. ever made. And also, kids, close your ears. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. Oh, no, they're coming distant. Third, fourth, fifth. This is... Matt, Matt, Matt I don't know where to go with this. This, other podcast, than... this podcast is number two, obviously. <laughs> Clearly. 
No, I just wanted to make the point. Tom. Mary Mary doesn't actually know that I did get a parking fund the, the, the second day I had it. Oh, really? In I Sydney. Bet, I bet you did. Oh, did, my God. You parked on, like, the footpath in Circular Key. Like, <laughs> we're just going to the rocks for lunch. Don't worry, darling. We'll just pay the fine. I threw the keys to the concierge <laughs> and I said, make sure you look after it. We just brand, to be some random brand dude. Brand new. Yeah, that's it. I never saw the car again. That's it. That's it. No, very, that's very exciting. Because we talk. We always catch up with some news at the start. That's your news for the moment, isn't it? And so, the book, and the book. So I've waited at least 10 years for that car, and I'm not much of a car person, now, just however... To, just to clarify, you've waited 10 years to buy that car, not, like, with all the delays in, <laughs> in supply chain. The uh, finances, <laughs> or, um, or you know, the, the IOUs, or the... I, I, I promise I'll get you the money next week. <laughs> <laughs> now Tom Putt's workshops only take one other person, because no one else fits in the car. <laughs> Sorry, I keep interrupting. No, 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 you're good. Um, it's It's got seats in the back that right. are like a Porsche 911 seats. Right. Like you just look okay. at them and go, why the hell do you bother? Uh, because literally, when you sit in the car and you, if I reach around to the back behind the passenger seat, I can't fit my four fingers in the gap between the back of the front seat and the, and the seat behind. Yeah, right. That's so that's how much leg room there is. Is that because you got so you push you push your chair so far back in the front <laughs> that you're just like that speed demon or because I'm so I'm so tall and I'm so massive. <laughs> um, it just it just doesn't doesn't go. Um, it doesn't work. It's certainly not a four seater car. It's a two seater car, and it's a hell of a lot of fun to drive. And um, yes, I've I've indulged. Have you put the dog in there yet? The dog went in there, jumped on my front seat, and scratched the front seat. Oh no! On the first time he went in. I was so just now, whether, like you had like the whole wind in the hair, head, dog head out the window, just like. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> I was ready to throw the dog out the window when he did that, but um, <laughs> no, it's not really a dog car. No, not no, a dog that's car. The yeah. That's the van. That's the van. It's enough. a bit of fun to drive, and and so uh, yeah, I've waited a bit of time to get that car. And so it's, it's exciting. It is exciting. Just a little indulgence for those, for those you know things that I felt I've worked hard for. Absolutely. And the book. Yeah, the book. So you've got you've, you're saying you've um, it's gone through all its draft through to perfection. You've got advanced copies coming this week. This is we've the been talking about snowbook for a while. Right? Have we? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I love so... it. You're just like, have we? Have we even mentioned that? <laughs> I can't remember what we talked on the last podcast. Which of my many books are you talking well, about? Well, this Matt? is it. I'm. I'm um, this year is, you'd think COVID would be the year to do it, but this year is sort of the year to sort of consolidate and get stuff done. And so I've had this snowball going for like, it's been sitting on the shelf ready to publish for about five years. And so that, the advanced copies for that are arriving this week and then the actual, the, the shipload of, the shit, shitload the ship, of books. The ship, the ship, <laughs> ship. Tom's referring to the big ship that brings the ship. all the containers across. Yeah. That's it. It will be arriving uh, in, in May. So that's terribly exciting because it is a big project. It's taken me a long time. I've literally, literally risked my life for that book. There's been a couple of times where I'm sure I've told the stories where Mary thought I wasn't coming back. So, um, and really, I I don't think I've taken any stupid risks. There's just, uh, looking back, I'll probably go, what the hell was I thinking at the time? But it's, I'd like to think that that book 
not only is, is something that perhaps hasn't been done before, but also too shows off places that people wouldn't know exist here in Australia as well. There's some really interesting landscapes up on the Snowy Mountains, for example, yeah. that they're almost lunar-like. They just look out of this world. Some I still look at them. People can't get to these, like just by driving their car from the car park and stepping out. No, no. These are a little bit. These these are when in, in my younger days I could put a 35 kilo pack on my back and maybe even a drone bag on the front and snowshoe for you know all day to get to places and, and beyond. Back so if day. you if you go to Threadbow and then catch the Cozy Express, which is the chairlift that takes you all the way to the top of the other side of the valley, you can then walk into places there that I've been to within a reasonable distance near, near Mount Kosciuszko, which is where a lot of this book is taken, yeah. which I'd love to get back to because it's been like years since I went up there. The problem is with photographing for a snowball in Australia is that you've got a very limited time. The season is like, you know, eight weeks. Yeah. Like, people go, oh, well, winter's three months. Well, winter here in Australia, in terms of snow, particularly with global warming or whatever you want to call it, climate change, like, you probably only get decent snowfalls towards the end of June, maybe maybe the start of July, and then by the end of August, it's it's gone. And so, like, years would roll by where I'd blink and all of a sudden I've missed the ski season and the winter season. I'm like, well, there's another year where I didn't get up to photograph any snow pictures. So I presume it was, well, like, when you're photographing, you're not after the, I'm going to say, old snow as well is yeah that, that looks like, a bit you, crappy you kind of like yeah you know sometimes you for those who are listening you've been up to like for those who are listening like anyone <laughs> like anybody's at this listening. point you're still listening go you go you well done um, team but you know if you go up to the snow at the start of the season it's usually pretty muddy and horrible because like we haven't had any rain or anything like that until that yeah. point and then you get that dumping of snow potentially every four years that happens and then it's nice and then of course you get a bit of rain and a yeah. bit of mud in the air yeah. you end up with brown snow yeah. we all know my preference is to not have that dirty snow. And, in fact, I walked from Falls Creek Car Park in the winter to, to um, Wallace's Hut, you know, that famous little hut there, which is about three, four hours' walk through the snow in winter and got there and there's not been fresh snow and it's been windy and so all the leaves and the twigs from the trees have fallen into ah. the snow and it's a Photoshop nightmare. And you've camped there for two or three days waiting for snow and it's just not happened. So you're like, oh, well, I have to come back another time. Nice camping trip, though, because there's not much else you can do up there, really, is there? It is nice. You can go for little... What I do enjoy about photographing in the snow and carrying all your stuff in is that once you make um, camp, you can then go and do little day trips and you're not having to carry your big backpack on you. Yeah, okay. And and it feels much more free and much easier than carrying all your gear. The problem with carrying your gear up there is not only is your gear weigh a fair bit and you have to carry, you know, everything is the altitude as well. Once you get mm. up near 2,000 metres above sea level, it doesn't sound like a lot, and certainly not a lot in world standards, but you do start to have a shortness of breath and things feel a lot harder than they, they do here at sea level. So, so like literally takes your breath away? I managed to take my breath away on many occasions, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is also too pre-drone, really. This I know I mentioned about carrying drones mm. up, but I was carrying drones up five years ago when the quality of stills wasn't right. So the, all of this book is pretty much taken from the ground and then also a little bit from some aerial work I've done over um, over the snowies. How do you... Can we can we go down the drone path for a second? I know yeah. we've done this before. Yeah. I've been getting a lot... But for all of our new listeners, this will be the first time they've heard it. <laughs> That's it. That's it. We're talking to you, Barry. We're talking to you. <laughs> Thanks, Baz. No, I've been getting a lot more people asking about drones. So, you know, I bought, we've already talked about oh, I bought a drone. You bought the honest, Ducks Nuts. You bought the latest and you love it? 
Ah, to be honest, I haven't really used it. Oh. Um, I've, I've taken that's a lie. I've taken it out a couple of times, and look, the reason I really bought it is um, we're heading off on a big trip this yes. year, and I know what will happen. I'll get I'll get like a portion way into that trip, and I'll be like, oh, I just wish I had a drone, especially Australian outback. I feel like because it is so flat in places, yep. and so desolate. Um, and it's also, amazing. Sometimes so busy, like really having the ability to get that different vantage point, I yep. think is really. Um, not important, but like I guess it just makes it a little bit uh, easier. Yeah. To do something different. Absolutely. I want to be recording a bit of video content as well. I've got some yes. a little project I'm working on, but the I've been getting a lot of inquiry. Well, not inquiries. A lot of people commenting because I've sort of said I bought a drone, and they they kind of go, "Oh, but you know, you're not allowed to fly it in all these yes. places, right?" Yeah. And I'm kind of against. I'm, like I'm for it in one way, and I'm against it in another way. Oh, I, understand I feel like I we're going to... into a very grey area here. Yeah, I don't want yeah. a thousand people like you know having their drones in the air all at the same yes. time and stuff. But at the same time, the restrictions are basically don't fly it anywhere, even in your own backyard. Right. And so, if you do like people who are heading out to some of these locations and stuff, is it about just being sensible, or is it like do you think it's getting to a point where they're going to start you know really clamping down on this stuff and making people? I think it's. I think there's so much grey that what happened was obviously drones came on, came became mainstream, and then all of a sudden the regulatory authorities looked at it and went, "All right, okay, this could be troublesome. Yeah. What do we do?" And they just went, "Well, we'll just blanket ban them all because we don't know how to regulate this yeah. in, a, in a way that's that's um, that that's going to be um, you know a bit of give and take." They're yeah. just like, "Fuck, we can't do anything." So what do we do? We just shut it down altogether. I, I personally like to think that there's a, a, an in-between, yeah. and I don't think we're there yet because yeah. we're still at that stage where it's like, no, nah, you can't do any of that. And it, I, I agree. I don't want to go anywhere where there's drones flying around. Yeah. I find it annoying. So I tend to not fly when there's other people around. Yeah. Even, even um, I'm talking about locations where you can fly. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm even one of those people that just thinks I respect the people's privacy or, or, or um, just being in that location and wanting to enjoy the ambience. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, I know when I hear a drone around, I'm like, oh, that's a bit annoying. Yeah. So it, it pisses me off. Yeah. So why would I Why would I contradict myself and do that? So I we're tend to wait. Tom, we're allowed to, you know, like, this, <laughs> no, I'm doing no, this for a job, man. No, no, I tend to... <laughs> and, and the other thing, the other part of that is kind of like, well, I just don't want to be hassled doing it. Like, yeah. I, to be honest, I, I find it quite... I said to somebody the other day who was who was new to drones. I said, if you're not shitting yourself before you fly, you're probably not in the right headspace, because you want to be sort of on. You want to be on, knowing that I'm flying something that I need to make sure that I'm responsible yeah. in flying it. Yeah. And I I want to be concentrating. Yeah, I want to be concentrating. I want to be on in, in control. I don't want to lose it. I don't want to crash it. I don't want to harm anybody, etc. So, I'm. Uh, I want to be. I want to be concentrating when that happens. I don't want to be distracted by other people who are around, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, as well. So, and so, does it annoy you as much as it annoys me when you see, like, because I'm, I'm, I totally agree with everything you're saying around when you can fly them and stuff. But then you go and look on like a tourism Victoria website, mm. or you look at tourism Victoria Instagram pages, and like every shot is taken by a drone in an area where it's not supposed to be. I don't promote it. Yeah, I don't pay much notice that anymore. Yeah, it used okay. to tick me off, but now these days I just like you just do your thing. I just yeah, I don't don't let it get yeah. to me anymore. Yep. I did see something very cool. But today. I understand. New product. Yep. So the have you seen Insta 360? The 360 cameras? No. Oh, I've seen the GoPro versions. Yeah, so GoPro Max is like right. I think there's like tons of brands. Right. Them, but Insta 360, um, they've got this modular action cam, right? And so you can put a 360 lens on it. Right. 
so it records so for those who don't know 360 is where it records literally everything around it yes. and you can actually rotate the video later and in fact you can give people these virtual tour experiences yes. where they can look around on YouTube and stuff yeah super cool right yeah the Insta360 has brought out this new one and it actually has a drone attachment right and so you can fly a 360 drone and the drone part's invisible it's like an invisible drone wow. so, I mean it's not invisible in real life obviously, no. but in the video it cancels it right. so it's almost like as a viewer you're just in the sky wow and like, you can just like look around completely. wow yeah. I have no idea what the quality and stuff's like right. in terms of you know, compared to other stuff but I was looking at that going my god like that would actually kind of freak me out a little bit watching that video I'd be like in VR you just feel like the roller coaster you know oh, well this is why it was going to be my next question is is this kind of like a fad or is this something that's going to hang around and I think it's something that's going to hang around once we become more immersive with that technology yeah. like the, as you said the VR goggles become a bit more mainstream yeah and it's not it's you know remember the iPhones when they first came out no one really had them yeah. and everyone was still stuck on the old school phones and then all of a sudden iPhones are totally mainstream we know that will the VR thing be the same where people go oh you know the early adopters who jump yeah. on board and pay a lot of money to have a VR yeah. experience versus is it going to be something that 10 years time We've all got a pair of goggles and we just chuck them on. We're at a cafe just yeah. to get some sort of different experience. Just everyone's like randomly sitting there and hands got up in the air. Oh, he's on a roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> I know that one. <laughs> it's weird, hey. I well, think it. I think it's where we're going. Well, I think that's what's really interesting with that is like you go back how many years now? Um, do you remember um, Second Life? No. So Second Life was kind of, um, and I don't. You know, I wasn't part of. Second Life, so um, I like I didn't participate in it. Is this some sort of like church group or something? Are we talking <laughs> like, like some it. sort of religious sect? No, Second Life is um, is it called Second Life? Now I'm actually questioning what it's called. I'm pretty sure it's Second Life, but it was essentially like an online version of the world, right? right. Where they actually had like a, a proper city and people, yes. like shops were buying real estate yes. in there. This is happening now. You know that, don't so you? So Metaverse is yes, now the in thing. the Metaverse. But yeah. the interesting thing was that Second Life, no, ha- First Life, Half Life. <laughs> Anyway, it's one of the lives, but it was, it was this online platform where essentially it was this immersive kind of world, and it was actually kind of big in its own communities, and then it just fizzled out because people, brands started investing some money in having real estate there and putting virtual shops, but it just wasn't there yet. Right, and no, it kind of just too early, out, too right? early. A bit like the way that was it called on MySpace kind of died yes. and Facebook took over. Yeah. And you know, Metaverse is now coming out, which I have no idea about. I've mm. done no research in whatsoever, but I imagine it's similar. Yeah. And I go, the moment we start getting into that VR life, if they actually, people actually take this up, of course, recording the real world and putting it into VR is going to be... Yeah, Interesting. Thing. So, if that gets up, I reckon you're right. It's going to probably not be a fad. But mm. I still wonder whether people can be bothered having virtual experiences in a way. Like, I do think that there's a. I think there'll be more of a need yeah. for it. I think more yeah. so. Can you imagine if we were able to have if my, if virtual reality was more mainstream during COVID, and and people could have had virtual experiences while we were locked down for so long? Oh, but virtual. But that would have been but amazing during COVID. Like. People like online learning, online online learning as well. And now <laughs> some it, some you know? did, like, some yeah. didn't. But, but you Speak know, like, my this, kids. this is one of those tools where you're like, yeah, cool. If you're in a COVID situation like that, sure, that's yeah. awesome. But yeah, it, and it's, maybe maybe I'm completely wrong here. Maybe it's that I just couldn't be bothered. With it. Will it will it be a case, say, for example, where we're sitting down at the TV and rather than watching a TV screen, we're sitting there with our goggles on and we're we're watching TV shows that way. That would be weird. 
I think that's interesting. I reckon the biggest issue with that would be like when I'm sitting there with my ice cream, just trying to find my <laughs> mouth with a spoon. I'm sure you. I'm sure you will manage, Matt. Like, would you see? Your I've seen you and Ice Magic, mate. I tell you what, nothing stops him. For those who'd like to perhaps um, donate to the Matt and Tom's Excellent Podcast, if you're thinking of something that you'd like to gift to Matt because, you know what, I've really enjoyed listening to the podcast and I feel like she could give something back, just send Matt some ice magic and you'll make his day. He, yeah. he bathes in the stuff, people. But if it's Tom that you prefer, I reckon a nice set of <laughs> car floor mats would, be, um, would never go astray. Or a, or a, a nice hand mitt. Ooh. To wash the car with, I went and bought one yesterday. Oh right! A hand you wash mitt. your own car. <laughs> See, I thought when you bought a car like that, you, you take go. it to like Chadston, and when you go. park, you park in the magic I throw car. It, wash. I throw it to the valet yeah, and I say, it. and make sure it's clean. I'll be back in a couple hours. And I know where all the scratches are. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. See, I love that line out of uh, Beverly Hills Cop, Eddie Murphy. And they, the director was talking about the time where he rocks up at that really expensive buffet and he's trying to catch right. the bad guy, and he rocks up in this beaten up thing. And and he, and he hops out of the car and he passes. And the, and the director goes, no, no, cut, cut, cut. We need you to fill in a blank there. There's this void. We just need you to say something just to fill in there while you're walking around past that guy. And he just, Eddie Murphy, brilliant, makes it all up on the spot. And he just throws in the keys and he goes, make sure you park it somewhere safe because all that shit happened the last time I parked here. <laughs> and it's full of dents and scratches and everything else. It's a great, it's a great, one of the great, one of the many great one-liners in that. Um oh. There's a great movie out at the moment, just to change tact, okay. that I was told about called River. So I encourage anybody to go and look, see it. This I haven't like seen a it myself. Cinema blockbuster or this like is, a this Netflix is, special? No, this is a cinema blockbuster. Right. You should absolutely go to the cinemas to see this because I think one, it's one of those movies that you want to see on the big screen. Yeah. I haven't seen it myself, but thank you to Jennifer Dunn, who's one of my workshop participants, who told me about it. I wanted a truck going past. <laughs> If you want the seagulls, of, um, of COVID safe outdoor recording. Um, so that, so that uh, it's 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 narrated by William Defoe, the actor, right. and it's uh, from what I understand, it, a lot of it is aerial videography right. taken all across the world. The promo shot that they're using for it is the Iceland um, beautiful Brady yeah, Rivers. Okay, yeah. But it goes for an hour, hour and a half, and it's this doco just all about the world and and amazing scenes. Is this kind of like? Um uh, Baraka, Baraka in the same style. Same thing. Yeah. Same same so genre. Is it IMAX then? Or it's, is it not? No, no it's, it's, it's just regular I, cinema. I think it's on a. I've seen it mostly at the Palais cinemas around okay, town, yeah, yeah. so Brighton Bay and Baldwin and all those other places where yeah, you find it. Fancy, fancy cinema. Yep. Uh, what do we call them? Art house. Art house. Art house. Well, you need to go to a cultured cinema. This is it. So yeah. get along to see because it, it won't last for long, I'm sure. Yeah. But I'm, I can't wait to go. Yeah, that'd be, I, I really, you know what? I think Samsara especially was probably one of the most inspirational films that I watched. Right. Not not because it's I, like I don't try and read into the story of it too much. I mean, there is a really powerful story in it, mm. but I just think the visuals that you see, it just. If you ever feel sitting at home going, I'm not really inspired, yep. I'm just feeling a bit like, ugh. Yes. Watch it, and then you just right. kind of go like, holy shit, the world's got some amazing stuff going on. You just, you're not no. seeing it because you're sitting at home. Where could people see that now? To, to give people a little backstories in case they don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. And, and where, would you be able to download it off YouTube now? Or? Uh, it is. There's clips of it on YouTube if right, you definitely want to get a taste thing. for it. Um, it is on either Netflix or Apple TV or one of those services. Right. You can watch it, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, I couldn't tell you exactly which service it's on, but yeah. um, definitely a good spot. Um, if you can find a Blockbuster, they probably have it. Um, <laughs> 
uh, and the DVD player obviously to go with it. Um, no, no, no. You want the you want the video cassette? You, yeah. Ooh, Come on, go old school. That's it's it. been stretched a few times, so it actually runs <laughs> a little bit faster than it. Because it is faster a very long or slower. Movie as well. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But it is like it's one of those films where it's. Base. There is actually a storyline, and I think Baraka, the original one, didn't have as much of a storyline. It was a bit more or like these visuals. incredible visuals around the yeah. world. And it's filmed on 82 millimeter film from memory, which is larger than normal, massively larger than normal. So, and so the quality it's of like it the is, IMAX of the yeah, 80s. it was like the first IMAX. Like before, you could just like you know film on your iPhone 13 and get like full blown 6K or whatever. Right. This is like 6K or 8K film, I guess. Wow. And so. Um, for the average punter, you wouldn't really know that. No. I guess it's just really high quality. That's what you need to know. Right. Then, um, Baraka didn't have so much of a storyline as what Samsara had a bit more like a climate change and human impact stories. So right. So it sort of just showed you, like, at the start, it opens with these incredible scenes of, like, how we're destroying the planet. Right. And overconsumption and stuff like that. And then it kind of immediately whisks you off to like these tranquil places with no human impact right so just to juxtaposition (laughs) and so um, but anyway incredible visuals and just like the the soundtrack that goes with it and everything about it is just phenomenal right Um, but it's really inspirational especially if you're a photographer like if you're just like Laura for instance she really enjoyed it but if I ask her to watch it again she's like yeah I've seen seen it now seen it once whereas like I could just you know, I could wake up and have you know put it on for breakfast kind of thing. So, so there's another movie that I'm relating to while you're talking there, which I, I draw on inspiration for every now and again, is um, by Murray Fredericks called Salt. And if you can get your hands on a copy, I'm not sure where you'd actually find it. Um, I looked the other day, I couldn't see it. It's a 25, 30-minute doco made... Now, for those who don't know, Murray Fredericks is a commercial photographer based in Sydney right. who shoots architecture but also has a fascination for landscapes and has made a very big name for himself shooting um, fine art, true fine art, right. landscape photographs in, in Australia and elsewhere where, for example, Lake Eyre, he would travel from Sydney to Lake Eyre, so that takes like a couple of days to drive there, yeah. and then, and then r- ride his bike at 15 or so kilometres out into the lake to not be able to see any landmass because because of the curvature of the earth and the um, and also too how um, flat the yeah. the land is around Lake Eyre, you only need to go about 10, 15 k out, and all of a sudden you can't see anything other than the lake, as in the the, oh, the crust, okay. the salt crust. And so he'd go out there and he's fascinated with sort of like the minimalistic approach yeah. to the landscape. So just the the lake and then the sky, and he'd spend two, three, four weeks out there. He'd ride back to his car when he needed supplies, and then he'd ride back out again, and he'd camp out there all by himself. And you this pissed off though, like that you've got now a tire track through all of your shots. Well, this is what he actually he actually well. <laughs> like this one. You'd have to be careful, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. Because he. Damn, I rode through the best. Part. That's it. That's it. That's, it's like going into sand dunes, and whenever I'm at a workshop, I go, "All right, guys, stay here. Yeah, Follow me, because we don't want to screw things up for you know the perfect shot later." Do you do like the army hand signals? Like, <laughs> Down, down, get down, <laughs> crawl, crawl, crawl. Um, he, he actually shows it in one party. He goes, there's my tyre tracks from this year and there's mine. Then there's this year's, last year's. Oh, cool. Like a lot of it can be permanent unless you get a big flood that comes and sort of just serves that. Anyway, he shot the whole thing himself because, of course, when you're out there waiting for the right light, because he's also, he, he shot the whole thing himself well before, you know, iPhones and selfies. So yeah. he's doing it all on... Um, I don't know, some sort of video camera or maybe a 5D Mark I or something like yeah, that. Yeah. 
but then he's um, speaking to his wife and recording, you know, conversations on the phone and quite frank conversations. Like, I'd just appreciate it if you just ask how I am, you know, like, because I get friggin' lonely out here too, you know. I'm not a robot and blah, 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 blah. He's like, really? I'm going to go there, you know? That sounds like you're know, the opposite of cabin fever, isn't it? It's oh, just like... he's just... He's... He's... He's, he's just... Incredibly driven guy. Yeah, I, he'd have to be. Can you imagine? He's gone like 13, 14 times out there now. It's not like he's gone once and gone. Oh, I've got a whole lot of great photos here. You go look at this. Aren't just, I amazing? That blows my just mind. Keeps though, going back he, out there. I don't understand. I mean, when I say don't understand, no, I don't understand. Like, but you know, sometimes you get disillusioned. You've been in the same place like five yes. times. And you're like, Ugh, I feel like I've shot the hell out of it. Yes. This place, in the situation he's shooting, like this. Not even really a variation in a lot of ways, is there? Like, well, that's what, and that's what drives him to keep going out there because he's looking for the variation, and sometimes he's not getting it. So then he's like, "Well, I'll come back another time, and I'll hopefully get that variation I'm after." I reckon like, he'd be good at marriage then, wouldn't he? Because he'd just, be, he'd just be like the, like, mun- the mundane. It's meant to be just the same all the time. I'm just going to search. I'm going to stick with you for 75 years, just. Just to show that, yeah. Let's not, babe, let's not mix things up. Let's not introduce anybody <laughs> else to the relationship. <laughs> Just keep it on the straight and dedication. Dedication. Oh, dear me. But, okay, I've got a question on that, though, um, and this is one that I know a lot of people would ask. Right. Fine art as a yes. genre oh, God. is probably the coolest mm. but wankiest photographer. Overused. Term. Yes. Overused. Term. Misused. Yep. What um, is fine art? What on earth, especially in landscapes, like I kind of get fine art when you talk fashion or things like that. Yeah. I can kind of get it because it's like, all right, it's not commercial, you're not advertising the clothes, it's the photo for the photos, you yes. know, for everything in it. But a landscape, how do you define something between fine art yep. and that is a landscape? Okay. Uh, great and when question. Should people stop using the term. <laughs> that should probably, the majority of people who use it, including me, Okay. Should probably not be using it because right. in my in my world it's probably not fine art, but in the general public's world, I think they can relate to it. So hence why we use it. We use it, being me and perhaps other gallery owners who might be within ice yeah. seeing distance of here. Oh, I've got somewhere I've got to visit later. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> got to make a purchase. Okay, good luck to you. Um, <laughs> That's uh, I'll a top come and help. Car. I bought one print. <laughs> I'll come and help you decide. That's it. You put a deposit down for a print. Um, so. I think when you say to the general public, I have a gallery that sells landscape photography, they perhaps have a vision in their mind of some landscape or or the genre or the style. But if you say fine art, I think it elevates it to another level and therefore perhaps it just means that perhaps it's um, it's of higher quality or it's higher price. Okay, so hence why I use that term. I think in the art world, most of us are using it and it's not considered fine art because in my eyes a fine art landscape photo for example would be something that is is very unique um, most likely limited edition it's got a particular sort of look or feel to it whether that be in terms of light composition subject matter etc treatment things like that even perhaps even what it's printed on like a beautiful cotton you know fine art paper right that sort of thing as opposed to like a more As opposed accessible to just, medium. You know, yeah, yeah, like a luster paper, you yeah, know, yeah, that yeah. would generally come off a printer. So, But the actual photo itself, though, like, yeah. surely the photo... Like, if you went to someone's website, mm. and you, like, when I, say, when I say genuine fine art, like, you know, there's really wanky versions yep. of fine art out there. Like, yep. if you went to the most wankiest, high-end fine art version, like, I imagine Peter Lick would consider himself to be fine art. 
you see, I probably wouldn't even consider him yeah, to be fine art. Because, right. I mean, that's where I kind of... Yeah. It's almost like prof- the term professional photographer. Like, I hate yes, the term. Yes, yes. Because it's like, well... It's like so The technical definition of it's pretty straightforward, yeah. but then it's also... I mean, it also sounds wanky, but, like, I'm always curious with fine art in... Okay, I'll give you an example, right? Like, I think in wildlife, I can appreciate the difference between fine art and wildlife photography because fine art in wildlife, to me, is something that has an artistic characteristic in it that would make you want to put it on your wall because of its beauty as opposed to the documentation of something. I think that's a nice broad definition. Whereas if I go, like, landscapes, most people are pitching towards the artistic something beautiful and yes. so separating out fine art from non-fine art is kind of like this is really yeah. difficult because yeah. it's well I think I think if you applied what you just said to the wildlife and apply that to landscape I think that's a pretty good definition if you're looking at a landscape photo that's more a documentation of the landscape yeah. pretty much straight up this is what it looks like this is how it appears yeah. I don't think that's fine art Whereas yeah. if you were to shoot it um, you know from a different angle or, or put a different treatment to it yeah. all of a sudden I think that starts to go into the realm of fine art. Let me give you a couple examples on on wildlife and I'll put these in the show notes. If you're thinking wildlife, I would classify David Yarrow and Nick Brandt, who are two very successful African wildlife photographers. Their stuff is fine art. Um, Nick Brandt does sepia toning to all his images and prints it on a beautiful cotton rag paper, very limited, highly um, collectible um, uh, and and, and of often a very shallow depth of field to his shots yeah, yeah. with a wide-angle lens, so he's, like, right there with the lion or yeah. the elephant, etc. You know, it is very, very impactful and unique in what you're looking at. David's is black-and-white stuff, and he's along the similar lines. In landscape, I think Murray Fredericks, who I've mentioned already, has a lot of beautiful um, work where, you, where you're looking at it and you're going, yeah, that's unique and that's yeah. different, and I can see that that would be something that... Um, you wouldn't just see every day. It's yeah. not a. It's not a usual documentation. Okay. Matt, the truck delivering Matt's next paycheck is just rocked up. It's actually called Vice Magic. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you. There goes that diet. I know. I think you've got a lot more running to do. I'm a lot more running. I'm trying to think of somebody else in the fine art. You know, Bill Henson's work and, and yeah. the sort of the work that he does with portraits is definitely fine art because. Uh, the lighting, the yeah. composition, the subject matter, etc., the limited edition, the collectible nature to it. Do you think fine art's maybe got more story to it then? Is that maybe a way to I think it's more conceptual. Like, you yeah. kind of look at it and you yep. go, there's something to be taken out of it, not just, I saw the thing. That's it. Yeah. You, so with your... Because your, your landscapes, you do a whole bunch of different stuff, and I, I reckon that with, um, like, aerials as yeah. the example, I can definitely... I think I can probably uh, see the difference between fine art and... and not not fine art, but you know, like yep. art that's fine and fine art. Right? <laughs> it's all God about forbid. all about the grammar. <laughs> it's all about the uh, emphasis fine. that you place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's art, fine, not art. Yeah. Fine. Um, but like, as an example, like your like air stuff, shoot yes. straight down. Like these are, um, you know, like the lady head. Yes, like air lady. Like, like yep. air lady, sorry. Yep. Um, and some of those Get sorts right. of things, or like even Iceland, like you know, yes. those um, or like by Carl, whatever it is. Those um, we probably just got censored for that. Um, <laughs> not allowed to mention that. Um, well, but anything that sort of um, you look at and it takes you a second to kind of like establish what I'm right. looking at, you don't get maybe the sense of scale. So like yes. the lady head is an example, like your lady. No, you don't want to get mixed up with a different thing. Anyway, um, you're mistaking me for another world famous. No, there's an underwater thing. The, um, the, the lady, which is on um, a shipwreck in Vanuatu. Oh, wow. It's like a porcelain. Yes. Um, 
Uh, what like, I've seen a photo of this already. So she is she at the stern? Is she? Uh, she's not. She well. So it's actually. Um, is that it's the right in the salon? But they move it Ooh. because, like, when there's an earthquake, it always falls down, and then they go and replace it somewhere on the ship, right? Right. But um, anyway, it doesn't matter. But your um, your those sorts of shots, right? If I look at them, that could be a macro shot of something really tiny, like yes. water drops yes. falling in dirt, or yes. in this case, it's probably bloody massive. Right. Or it might be a portion. Like I can't really tell, and it's got this beautiful look to it yes. but it doesn't give everything away right versus a shot of say like a, a, you know an aerial of like the beach for instance where you can see the people and yes. wave, you know those those sorts of aerials where it's like well they're very much it's beautiful but it is what it is like right. you, you don't look at it and go oh I wonder what that is yep. or something yep I think um, you could yeah or where you've found, um, you know, some of the shots where you've done those aerials, like the you've got a new one in. Well, I don't know how new. I'm pretty sure it's new in the gallery where it's like the the waves breaking, the golden sun hitting yep. the back of one of the waves, and there's yep. kind of these two lines. Yeah. Like it's it is what it is, but it's like it's a very small portion of a big scene. Yes. It's not just shooting the yeah. thing in yeah. front of you, kind of. Thing. I think. Yeah. Is that? Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Probably wouldn't classify. Maybe some of the lake air stuff. Um, than the more abstract nature to it. I, I may slide into that fine art, yeah. but the golden wave that you were just talking yeah. about then, which is on my website, which is a beautiful light reflecting off the, the water, I think that's just pretty much a documentary style of yeah, photograph. Okay. So I wouldn't classify that yeah. as fine art. Because it's not an interpretation of... Well, even then, yeah. It feels it's more a like a I hate these terms because, like... They, it's it's yeah. really hard to even find those definitions for those terms yeah. in on the internet because I've looked before because years ago during the AIPP and, and the awards they used to have a fine art category and I remember Les Walkling Dr Les Walkling getting apparently allegedly um, a little bit irate by didn't, the didn't slap the um, I think uh, close the, to the I don't think I can't see no, I can't see Dr Les doing that. anything like that well, I couldn't see was a gentleman doing it either like... <laughs> well this is true there's two you know what that just teaches well let's go on that's going on another yeah, tangent yeah anyway tangent that's, anyway. that's, there's two sides to everybody that's what I always say there's, there's the good and the bad and I can you see know. there's parts of Tom bubbling up right now thinking about it. <laughs> I'm a bit nervous. No, no, no. And do you know the worst part? He hasn't touched that bird muffin yet. So, I haven't. Which means I'm, that he's hangry. He's probably coming on definitely as Definitely well. ready to. Yep, I do get hangry. The problem I have with food, to go off on a wild tangent, <laughs> is that I actually, when I eat, um, I, I sometimes feel guilty about it and, and don't feel good about myself for eating. But then if I don't eat, I do get hangry. Yeah. Ask Mary. Oh, don't come near me if I haven't eaten for Does a while. Does she get and angry as well? No, she doesn't get angry at anything. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I'll just what sense we, that giggling out. What were we talking <laughs> about? Dr. Les Walkling. Dr. Les Walkling. He was, he was claiming that... A bit agitated yeah, at because, because they had this category and the AIPP were allowing photographs into that category that he didn't classify as being fine art at all. Yeah, so right. we should reach out to Dr. Les and say... What, what is it that you classify as, as fine art and um, get his definition of it? I'll do that. I'll put that in the, the list of things to do. I it's going to be as abstract as... Um... He, uh, this is it. If we can yeah. interpret what he says, his <laughs> definition, we might get close because he's an, an incredible wordsmith. Have you yeah. ever heard him speak? I haven't, no. You want to go to one of his courses? He used to run them at CCP, the Centre for Contemporary Photography in oh, Fitzroy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I went years ago and um, fascinating. He's a fascinating man. He is a wealth of knowledge. Um, can go off on more tangents than you and I combined. Wow. 
We should definitely have him as a oh, guest. Can you imagine? Brilliant. We have to rename the podcast. He has the most beautiful gift of the English language. Uh, mind you, I did hear somebody, and these aren't my words, these are somebody else's, who said, um, uh, Dr. Les has a brilliant way of making something simple sound very complicated. <laughs> but that's only because just, you don't want to ask him. We, we could get ourselves into a world of pain just by going, so, so um, Les, what, what do you... What's your definition of fine art? Oh, we should craft this question better and, than and, and then just make sure there's enough batteries on the on the on the phones to record the answer, because we wouldn't need to speak for hours because he would just fill that that question with so much knowledge. He's amazing, amazing man. He's he's a he's one of the the he. I hope that he will be remembered. He's still around, by the way. We haven't knocked him off yet. I was going to say, um, <laughs> as of recording, um, just for the reference, anyone who's looking up the, uh, yes. yeah, the obituaries. He, he, he's um, not done a shame worn on us. No. But um, he is just a gift to the Australian photography community, that man. Lectured at RMIT for 20-plus for years, I think, and, um, and knows more about colour printing and colour management and and that stuff. I think he still runs courses at his yeah. home where you actually go to his home and he, and he teaches the art of printing, which yeah. is, which as we know, is, um, is a skill in itself. So, yeah. yeah. A anyway. skill in itself. It's like a whole, whole um, profession. Which basically it's means ridiculous. it's a friggin' nightmare. Yeah, it's seriously, it's the worst. Yeah, yeah. That's why I do everything just on Instagram. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's the exact that's, reason. That's why I just you print out believe. somebody else's work. <laughs> Not my own. And what do you think? Are we done? I reckon. Are you happy? Well, have you had enough airtime? I felt like I've done far too much talking. No, it's probably a good thing, really. Um, <laughs> You're off to go and do a dive I'm down Blair, jump under the Blair, Gallery. Blair Gallery. And what are you hoping to see down at Blair Gallery? Oh, look, anything, to be honest. Um, <laughs> you were talking about, just give us five minutes before we finish up, you were talking about the idea of just being able to go out and just shoot for yourself with yeah. no, no expectation, just yep. like... What I equate it to is, whether you're a professional or not, if you've been photographing for years, I think sometimes we tend to lose our way and, and mm. not realise why we got into it in the first place, which is just go out and enjoy. Yep. So we Absolutely. have to remind ourselves to keep doing that, don't we? Definitely. And I, re- I reckon one of the things I've, I've, um, it's been, I've become very aware of recently, uh, with obviously with, with, with the whole COVID break from everything, you start to sort of reset a little bit. Like some of the locations you probably visited a lot couple of years ago you then suddenly go oh actually I haven't been there in a long time mm. and so you have a different appreciation for it but um one of the training things I've been doing at the moment um uh, one of the it's for uh, I, I would have mentioned on here um but it's for businesses in Indonesia and trying to just like the biggest question is like but what should I be photographing and videoing right and you're kind of like are you serious because it's insane like yes. you're sitting on the most amazing tropical beach that's mm. got a mountain behind it with Komodo dragons mm. and like all this stuff's happening and they're genuinely some people are just a bit clueless as to well, why would people want to see this because I live here yes and it's like I think that having gone through this process on you know these zoom training sessions with them so much recently mm. it just makes me kind of remember hold on something I take for granted because I see it all the time actually most people don't get to see and I think especially underwater around um, Victoria um, I've started to re you know re-realise that you know I'm not very active on social media and in recent times I used to be more so and because all my friends are divers mm. I'd be seeing underwater stuff all the time so I'm kind of like eh, it's not special taking a photo of a seahorse who cares yes. seahorse. I'd love to see one yeah. I still haven't seen one yeah and whereas now I'm like a couple of years have gone by without too much diving yep. 
and I'm not really on social media, so I'm not seeing it so much. But then I look at around the broader community, and like people are fascinated by the stuff that I just take for granted. So going out and just kind of with no expectations, just getting out there, doing it myself. Yeah. Again, I think yeah. I'm, looking forward to maybe seeing it through fresher eyes. Will you see any of the spider crabs today or is it no, too early? Well, they only kind of come for like a week. So right. they're like here for a week. They come, they come and gone. Yeah, so But Blake Gary's a good spot to see. You know about it when it happens. Yeah, yeah right. So, yeah, yeah. see the pier. We covered in fishermen catching crabs that are inedible. Um, are they the re- divers getting really angry at them for doing yes. that. Um, there's all sorts sh- of stuff going on. It's so, a bit like um, duck yeah. hunting. I don't see the point. If you can't eat them, what's the point of catching them? Uh, yeah, totally. Well, I think people think they can eat them because they do look like a tasty. tasty kind of crab, I guess. Like right. They've got really big legs. Yes. I believe that people But their meat's not... Tasty. I don't think that they're that good eating. Right. I think that they're actually quite... And this is just... I don't eat seafood. Not because right. of any ethical issues. I just don't like the flavour. Right. Um, but from what I understand, spider crabs... These spider crabs are not edible or not good eating. Um, some spider crabs, I think, are, though. So people kind of oh. just assume that... And there's like a billion of them under there, like right. at one time. Yeah. And that's all of them, though. That's the problem. Everyone goes, but there's so many of them. Yes. Like, but that is literally all of them. That's it's kind of right. like looking at the MCG going, oh, my God, there's so many people on the planet. And it's yes. like, well, in this one spot right now, there are. Yes. Like, I mean, there are a lot of people as well, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I get your point. So, yeah. No, looking forward to getting getting down there and just oh, yeah, be jumping fun. underwater. And you know what? The best part of my phone doesn't work under there as well. So it's pretty exciting. What? Interesting point you raise. I think one of the reasons that I enjoy swimming and I've only just recently realised this, is because I'm there under the water and, like, the sound is muffled. Yeah. It's a bit of an autistic thing, isn't it? Yeah. Like putting headphones on an autistic yeah. child. Except in your case, it's artistic. <laughs> I don't know But it does. It's just amazing. It just blocks out all those other stimulants. Yeah. And so you can just be immersed in the environment yeah. and, and enjoy that. that stuff for a while. Absolutely. Yeah. We all need to do that. Yeah. We're all, we're all so... You know, where's my phone and I've got to carry it with me everywhere I go. And, oh, it's the worst. And answer it every time it rings and shit like that, right? We've got to make sure that we take care of ourselves yeah. in this in this world. Yeah. I think we've realised that perhaps more... Hopefully we've realised that more than ever. Matt, we have a very take tasty... Take a very serious turn here. ...tasty muffin to enjoy here oh, that I'll need a hand with. Tom's so. just going to go and bury his face in that muffin. <laughs> I can see it now. He's going to feathers all over it. <laughs> all right. Pleasure, Thanks, always. Matt. Been great to catch up with you. I hope the uh, recording comes out okay with the seagulls that have been our... Um, our audience for today. Or just that the recording worked at all, would be good, <laughs> to be honest. If you're hearing really crappy audio quality, it's because we're using our phone. It's come from the, the first, phone. The first plan didn't work. Yep. All right. Thanks, Matt. Till next time. Bye. See ya.